Little Natter, episode two. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, um, let's just pop the face cam in. Hello, everyone. Uh, just going to line this up. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, let's do this. Uh, yep, and this. You guys get the, the bonus features because this all gets cropped out when I final when I save the video. So everyone joining live, you're enjoying the, the bonus features. Uh, uh, do do do. Um, it's a very professional, slick operation. Just you wait until you see some of the magic I've got lined up. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to be proud of me. <laughs> uh, let's do that and that and also drag this in here and tweet that. And as far as I can tell, we are, we're good to go. Hello, everyone. Uh, hi, hi, hi. Uh, what time is it? It is two minutes past seven. Can you all hear me? You can hear me? Yep. Uh, hello, hello. Everyone's saying hello. Um, uh, yeah, um, in about, over the next hour, uh, we're going to talk about, well, firstly, this is, this is Rail Natter. Welcome to episode two. <laughs> um, this is a, an ad hoc, uh, this, this is, this is live and it's just supposed to be a chat with friends about railways. There's no particular structure to it, but I'm going to hang it on a theme every week. Um, and people are already hating on the class 158s in the, in the, mentioned in the comments which is great um, those comments disappear so I'll do my best to keep on top of it but when when I crop the video afterwards the, the, the comments do disappear so it's live get involved hello Lee hello everyone good to good to see you all um, welcome to oh, what have we got we've got lots of people um, so yeah we're going to be talking about class 158 but actually we can talk about whatever you like so we're going to talk about 158 but actually lots of other crazy stuff is going to be happening hello miniature, I'm miniature and in a corner um uh, but before, yeah, we've got we've got a fair few people watching. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's crack on, shall we? Welcome to this wonderful episode of Rail Natter. And as the music fades out, I'm very pleased to welcome you to um, welcome to the home office, to the to the uh, to the railway wall behind me. Um, yeah, hi. Uh, I'll, I'll point out thanks uh, thanks must go to to Johnny Trunk from Trunk Records for giving me permission to use a bit of either the engine theme tune, which I'm sure you all noticed um, in there. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Class One Five Eight. So uh, let's put the slides back with my face. Uh, before we do that, though, before we do that, uh, let's well, first of all make sure I'm actually in here. We're going to talk about um, the end of the Railways Act 1993. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, RIP, franchising, rail franchising. 
we've got to start with that, haven't we? Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, um, the end of the the end of that. I just don't see it coming back. I'm sure lots of you noticed um, uh, noticed. I did a bit. Of, I wrote, quickly threw a piece together for um, for for uh, City Metric, talking about the fact that franchising. We're not going to see it back. It's gone. There's no chance it resurfaces. Um, the railway is going to look very different whenever when the kind of the dust settles after this um, horrendous pandemic. And uh, to be honest, that will be the end of of the railways at 1993. It was a complete uh, disaster. Um, it's not to say that the railways have been a complete disaster since then, but the act itself was just a complete mess. Um, so it's gone, or it, it will go. It'll be replaced by whatever statute is required to bring in the new regime, uh, the post-Williams review regime. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, people who are just enjoying Eye of the Engine, they're just preoccupied with Eye of the Engine. Yeah, nice. Uh, do you really think the operators will clamour to come back? Graham, uh, Graham Wright asks that. Do I think that the operators will clamour to come back? No, I do not think that. I'm going to just... Uh, there we are. Edinburgh. I think it's Edinburgh. This is my signature mug. This is the point where maybe someday in the future people will... Uh, people will... Um, send me mugs uh hint hint sam jessup please i want your mug so badly uh none of you needed to hear that but i need the coffee so right um no they're, they're not going to bother I, I, the piece goes into it in reasonable detail but um yeah i think i, I they're just they're, they're not going to bother to try and take the revenue risk on the fact is they've been losing money most of the franchising uh, company you know most of the train operating companies have been losing money uh, they've been giving money to government and shedding money from their own capital reserves it's just not going to happen. Um, will the franchisees want a golden goodbye? No, because their contracts, they'll all default on their contracts. They'll not want to bother fighting over, or they'll fight over stuff, I'm sure. But um, I think they'll rather the, just the kind of the, the duck out and sort of a bit of a, right, yep, yeah, let's draw a line under it. We won't, we'll not um, be upset about the fact you're cutting our contract in half if you don't get upset that we're about to default on our payments. And I, I think they'll kind of do it that way. Um uh, that's that's Graham. Very excited. Uh, that was Owen O'Neill who asked the question about the golden goodbye. Um, David Shepherd uh, is pointing out that Thameslink 2000 got delayed by 20 years thanks to British Rail ending. Yeah, pretty much. Um, big change with no discernible useful purpose is usually a disaster. Um, to be honest, grouping wasn't great. It did not. So that's in 1923 when you got the creation of GWR, LNER, um, LMS, and southern region that was not particularly wonderful um and uh yeah gary keener is pointing out the government don't really have enough people to run operators of last resort for all of them uh, certainly not at the moment which is kind of why they went down the default give them a just give them a run it as you are we'll pay you a bit contract rather than going down the full uh, pseudo nationalism route um but then you know the big four got got running again or oh, i'll segue by the way sorry about that uh, the next thing was um uh, obviously, nationalisation, which was also a disaster because you had uh, massive change, uh, ideological place. Okay, it had, there was an obvious key purpose behind it was that the railways were wrecked, and but there was a plan that the big four had to sort of work on that, and instead it was nationalised uh, for better or worse. Um, I do think British Rail was an incredible organisation, did incredible things, had loads of stupid things as well, and made lots of silly mistakes. Um, but actually, it, pro it was probably just about in the right place, just when it got privatised again, um, or maybe a little before. Um, Right, okay, here, here come the questions. Uh, what do you reckon? Will the TOCs, that's the train operating companies, um, stay running under management contracts, or do you think they'll put everything under what is currently the oil? Yeah, Gary's answered that one. Um, Mike Woolridge. Uh, Woolridge, sorry. Um, 
Yes, so uh, good stuff. Um, Lewis is talking about Scotland. Uh, the reality is, uh, I think the opportunity will be taken. ScotRail has already defaulted. Uh, they're planning to take that. It'll just become, I think that'll become full-blown nationalised, uh, although the SNP will do it kicking and screaming. Um, Bill Harvey asks, hello, Bill, uh, is asking, uh, will they spend millions repainting all the trains? Uh, probably not, though. Uh, they'll keep the, even if the whole lot became one company, they'd probably end up keeping the brand for a while. Um, and yeah, so franchises are done, um, but the current contracts, I still think that you'll have management contracts with, with various, um, you know, the, the train operating companies will look broadly as they do now, but they'll be run as concessions, just like, uh, Merseyrail and London Overground are, um, Big Four ScotRail. I, I still think the shape of the map will be smaller. I think the map will change, but they won't go right up to Big Four or sectorize. Or you know, it won't be sectorized like BR was. I still think you'll have regional clusters, which I, I think is a good thing. My personal preference is that you have long distance operator. It becomes one uh, franchise. Long distance stuff everywhere. Passengers, um, you know, sleeper can uh, continue as its own thing. So basically, you you get into city back, but then you have region, and they eventually would run mostly on HS2, uh, and you have regional sort of hub franchises based in, you know, Manchester, um, out of West Yorkshire, out of uh, Birmingham, you know, out of the West Midlands, and, and you kind of run it, uh, you know, based around with, with kind of large train operating companies in the regions um, based on the subnational transport bodies. Anyway, uh, yada yada, we're here to talk about cl the Class 158, so let's do that. Uh, <laughs> but keep, keep chuckling questions. This is an informal hour of relaxation, and uh, and we can all well you can shout at me but generally this is a, a place of peace happiness and um, oh yeah DMUs right so I, I have kind of vaguely put a bit of a structure in here so uh, here we have a, a, a nice class 107 and um, well okay we're going to talk about the class 158 but actually we're going to I'm going to slightly kind of hang this on the story of diesel multiple units in the UK or in Britain anyway um because the history is a bit rubbish so for most of the for, for a long time um this was what multiple diesel multiple units looked like for a lot of the country um and actually we kept churning these out uh and in fact this is the newest of the first generation DMUs this is the newest one can anyone tell me what class number this is um and this uh, this was churned out what was it, 63 yeah 1963 this one was churned out so like okay well that was that was the last of the first generation br british rail continues to run its services with that being the newest diesel multiple unit um for all sorts of reasons what well, 63 is is you know um the railway suddenly is in contraction mode so they get preoccupied with closing railway lines and running everything as long as they can um the focus is on intercity, so the idea that the railway will run as a suburban network uh, is mixed. People think, oh, maybe cars are the future. All sorts of stupid, the car is the future uh, nonsense that it's not just British Rail's fault, not government's fault, the public fault that as well. Everyone, the thought was that cars were the future. And, I mean, in a way they were, but they were a horrible dystopian mess of a future. Um, and it takes until 1980, oh God, <laughs> It takes until 1980 before BR prototypes another diesel multiple unit. Ages, ages and ages. And what is this prototype? It's the class 140. And oh golly, it was god awful. Uh, this is the Pacer prototype. Uh, so they'd done a couple of uh, LEVs, LEV1 and LEV2. Um, 
and uh, oh, some people pointing things out. Oh yeah, well, I'll I'll talk about my pacer for a minute, and then um, and then we can I'll do some more reading because it's already I'm already behind. I'm always going to be behind. You, you, you're all very quick on the typing. Uh, in fact, stuff, stuff it. I've interrupted myself so much, I'll answer some of these things. Uh, Lee Render points out that the recent awards show how, uh, since Transpennine um, and Arriva Rail North, uh, the scene changed overnight on the aspirations. The franchise system has never recovered from West Coast. Yeah, exactly. It's just, and they haven't awarded, they haven't proper, uh, everything's been delayed. Franchising was dying anyway. Um, 159104 is Southwestern Railway's longest travelled unit, 5.16 million miles. That's a great fact from Rob Milner there. What a brilliant fact. Um, how many times to the moon is that? How many times to the sun is that? Quite a few. Um, uh, David Shepard is annoyed by uh, Tannoy announcements. Um, should they bring back Red Star and Motor Rail? Um, Red Star maybe, Motor Rail, logistics are too complex. I don't think that's the future. If you're going to drive your car, you're probably going to drive it the whole way. It's far better for the railway to focus on just getting people out of there, avoiding people owning their own cars anyway. So whether that's more car clubs that you can drive to the station, then someone else picks it up and that car goes elsewhere. I mean, it is a taxi, but, you know, uh, sometimes for luggage, you want to, you know, arranging that sort of thing. Um, arranging motor rail is just a nightmare. I think that's in the past now. We, we, we're not going to get it to work. Um, or at least we need to focus on getting all the other things we're running in the railway currently working and growing passenger numbers again solidly after coronavirus settles down. Um, yeah, the 204, yes, I believe that is right, Lewis. Uh, Bergen, it is the 204. Um, yes, Gary Wilson points out that privatisation has brought services he never thought he'd see. Yeah, uh, think, incredible things have happened under privatisation, but it's not because of privatisation. This is We're in a wider context that people have realised the car isn't necessarily the future. People have got more money to spend, so they travel more. Many more service employees who travel and commute by train. You know, the economy has just shifted. So socioeconomics is why we have this huge boost in numbers since the mid-90s. It's not anything to do with who runs the trains. Um, oh, Chris is saying it's class one, two, three. Yeah, I thought that was right. It was one, Yeah, Chrissy Caulfield is absolutely bob on. Um, uh, let's have a look. Uh, ah, used to go, Chris used to go to work on some of them. Uh, some had corridors, yeah, I can believe it. Simon Fisher uh, is asking whether they were the first British Rail thing to be called Intercity. Um, possibly, yeah. Better nerds than me will know that. Other people in the comments might be able to comment. Um, night trains, for sure. Yeah, we need many more sleepers. People need to be able to, you know, we live in a... The fact that we run fewer sleepers now than we did in the past, given that we have such a 24-hour society, or at least did, um, we need many more sleeper trains. Um, Bill Harvey reckons that Motorrail will be better as car transporter coaches running between motorway services. Um, oh, that's an interesting idea, yeah. Um, yeah, Lewis was wrong. It was a class one, two, three. You, you said it with such conviction, Lewis, that I, I thought you were right. Um, anyway, this bloody pacer thing, right. Uh, sorry about the slurping. We're already quarter of an hour in. <laughs> uh, this might overrun a little bit. I, I'm going to try and keep them to an hour, but you never know. So... Um, the, the the 140, uh, yeah, it was built off the back of high-speed ve uh, freight vehicle one. I'm not going to talk much about the Pacer because we could talk about it for hours and it's definitely going to be a future rail matter once Drs. Kevin Tennant and Dr. David Turner uh, published their work on the Pacer and the myths about rural railways, which it very much did not save. It's a total myth and I'm looking forward to their work 
dispelling that myth. Um, so I'm not going to burst that bubble. But suffice to say that the chief mechanical engineer at the time, when he had a ride in it, thought it was absolutely dreadful. Um, so that was, that was in 1980. Come 1981, there is another... So a year later, BR does start trialling another DMU, but a proper DMU, not a piece of junk like the Pacer, but an actual proper train with bogeys that actually function. Um, not that I have anything against Dr. Alan Wicken's uh, single-axle bogey design, um, but the Pacer was, is junk, remains junk. Um, 1981, uh, you have the Class 210. Uh, there it is, the lovely Class 210. And um, the trouble with this, this quite cool, that's a decent unit. I think it's based off the same body. Is it a PEP? Uh, where are we? It's, um, where's the chat? Chat's a bit behind where I am, I think. Um, there's a delay, just in case any of you are wondering. So I've got, like, real time, and I've got my encoder here. <laughs> and then I have the chat, which is, like, I don't know, quite a bit behind. Maybe, like, 30 seconds to a minute behind. I think it's a minute behind. So I, I bounce around a bit, um... And, yeah, uh, so apologies if I seem a bit disjointed. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. It's all new and exciting anyway, and you guys don't mind, I'm sure. You're, you're, you're all very forgiving people. This 210, you might have guessed that there's an engine in it, and it's not underslung. It's in that blue bit. So in wonderful British Rail corporate uh, identity style, uh, which, wait a minute, let's get the old encoder up, and let's go face cam only. This, you can see up here... This thing up here, um, which I'm not going to move the webcam because it'll mess everything up, but that white lump is the corporate identity manual. Oh, I've gone then. Oh, oh! Didn't need those bits anyway. This wonderful publication is the British Rail corporate identity manual, produced by um, the wonderful Wallace Henning, and it includes many beautiful things, uh, including uh, where? Are, let's pick one out. Uh, Pictures of. Look at, I mean, look, at, look at this, it's beautiful. But uh, the original was produced around about the time, uh, sorry, uh, in the 60s, so around about the time of them producing the. Um, the maybe a few years after producing the, uh, first, the last of the first gen DMUs. Sorry, I waffled there a bit, didn't I? Um, and you can see it being applied wonderfully for this. Where am I? Let's get back in here. Uh, down here, this lovely train down here. Um, with the window surrounds for the passenger saloon having the grey and then the blue bit has the engine in it and that was the problem these were really well powered but they were uh let's see people chatting um that they were um very heavy and uh, a bit noisy and most importantly you sacrificed a lot of seats half a coach worth of seats um to run this thing which meant that the seats the cost per seat was quite high reasonably high um so, there, so that was quite a very high power uh, multiple unit, uh, but it wasn't a success. And as a result, it was kind of shelved. Uh, oh, let's see what people are saying. Uh, yep, Lewis Bergen is pointing out that's explicit content that I might get me banned off uh, YouTube. Yep, very true. Um, very similar to the 313. Um, ah, Lee Render points out, yes, of course, I'm absolute, speaking absolute nonsense. Um, it's nothing to do with Pep. It is the, um, it's based off Mark III coaches, actually. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for correcting me on that. You're going to have to do lots of correcting me because I'm not a very good rail nerd. Uh, infrastructure is my bag. Trains, I know more than most normal human beings know about them, but you're all, you all know far more than me. Uh, weren't similar, Milan Z um, asks, uh, weren't similar units to the 210 delivered to Ireland? 
that was probably very loud for all your ears, sorry. Uh, but, well, what do I have to happen here? Absolutely they were, yeah. So British Rail, there were too, there were too heavy or not enough people for um, British, British Rail. However, Northern Ireland got a set, and they're pretty good, actually. They look quite smart. Um, given the age of the track in this picture, I think that's probably quite a recent photo. So they're, they're, they might well still be running, in fact. Um, what else have we got? So, do-do-do, not just sleepers, ordinary night trains as well. Uh, early Eurostar, that's staying overnight in London. That's what Random Railway says. Yeah, agreed. Uh... Lewis, I think it looked great. They looked quite smart. The livery, the livery was good. Like, the British Rail original liveries were pretty bomb-proof. Um, they also did a Mark 1-2 coach version of the Class 140. Oh, they did. Let's not worry about the... the that that thing still exists somewhere down in the... Is it the East Kent that has it? The, the, the British Leyland Mark rubbish coach. Oh, crikey. Keep it away from the railway. Um... And that's not just me being a bust body snob. They were just badly made. The, the railway rattles things to pieces. And this is the problem with the pacer. This is what the, the chief mechanical engineer, the chief mechanical electrical engineer of British Rail, got onto the 140 on its trial runs around Glasgow and wrote a report, or it wasn't even a report, I think he just wrote a letter saying, this thing will shake itself to bits very quickly. Um, and there you go. They did. Um, let's see. 1980s Thumper. Uh, couldn't they just add another coach to improve the seat ratio? Well, you'd have thought so, Dave. That's David Shepard pointing that out. Yeah, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? But they didn't. Rob Milner, um, two 210 vehicles still exist as part of 455 units. Uh, yeah, the Class 455 down south. I think one of them was because there was a... Um, isn't it when there was that crash over a bridge parapet and it landed on the roof of one of them, so they had to replace that coach. I might be wrong on that. Um, uh, full extra carriage would reduce performance. You're right, Peter Tipple. Um, yeah, oh, I love this. This is the chat that we want. Just some nice railway chat with pictures in the background and possibly my face in the corner, which I can only apologise for. Um, right, OK, let's ne let's go to the next slide. So the 210 was shelved, um, and it took until 1984. So that's, um, what's that? 21 years after the last previous DMU was rolled out um, until the next trial of DMU started and again it was based off the Mark III and here it is it's the lovely class 150 I think they're quite smart they look quite primitive but they're um they're good they're good units and um, they were designed for you can tell by the number of doors on there they were designed for kind of suburban and commuter services uh, which is Doolally because let's face it those sorts of services are ideally suited for being electric but you know this is Britain and we don't do spending money on infrastructure um Yes. Uh, oh, uh, yep. Yeah, I'm glad to see you're all answering each other's questions in there as well because I'm not keeping up. Um, yeah, so this is the 150. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is 1984. And it took uh, about four years and they got the first of the Pacers into operational service. So bearing in mind that we're just trialing the Class 150 and this absolute abomination is running uh, on our railways in passenger service look at the state of it uh one door per coach uh they were narrow they were horrible just awful we sold we got, got rid of them and sent them to iran eventually and iran thankfully got rid of them fairly quickly as well um just dismal isn't it absolutely horrible uh and it was just a, uh, yeah right let's park this because we'll talk about paces another day but um Let's talk about something that's visually beautiful instead. So come 1985, so, so 1984, um, you've got the, the 150. 1985, 
and this wonderful little prototype is developed. So the previous one, so the 150 was from, and you're going to have to correct me if, if I'm wrong on this, the 150 was a Brel, British Rail Engineering Limited uh, production. Metro Camel, so that's in Birmingham, so Brel in Derby and York and Swindon and da, da, da. Um, Metro Camel in Birmingham, again, correct me if I'm wrong on that, it is Birmingham, came up with the Class 151, this absolutely stunning space-age, brilliant-looking, and also uniquely liveried, interestingly enough, um, diesel multiple unit. And it looks great, but it's a bit radical, and it has some issues with some of its electromechanicals. I think uh, the braking system, or actually no, the braking system might be fine. Anyways, the gearbox, the gearbox actually, gearboxes are always an issue. Um, uh, yeah, Lewis is saying Metro Camel. Yeah, the, um, the electromechanicals did not work particularly well on this. Um, but it was a it was a brilliant unit. It was just I think I just think it's terrific. How cool would it be if they were still running around and they would look awesome in heritage lines nowadays? It does remind yeah. Ignored Ambience says it reminds them a bit of the BART, uh, the Bay Area Rapid Transit System. Yeah, I think it does. It's, it does have that element of sort of it's very space age, um, but this was eighty four, so it's it's kind of it's a bit of a seventies looking thing. But I think it looks really cool. Um, uh, yeah, so let's have a look. Uh, yeah, lots of, oh, lots of chat. Lots and lots of chat. Right, let's catch up with some chat. So, uh, Edwin Barnes asked if the thing is mechanical or electrical, um, and it's a diesel electric, this particular one. Um, Peter Tipple, uh, yep, uh, points out about the 210 reducing um, performance with the extra carriage. I've already read that out, haven't I? Um, Simon Fisher points out the crash happened in his village. Uh, this is the crash where something went over a parapet and crushed a 455 ca um, vehicle. I don't think anyone was seriously hurt in that one, were they, Simon? Um, class 150 zeros will shortly be moving from Great Western to Northern. Ah, really? They're coming coming up in our direction. Um, that's Lee Render pointing that out. Uh, yep, we've got some chat about liveries, some people who love pacers. I can only apologise. Uh, uh, let's have a look. Pacers, Metro Camel, Class 150 Braille, Class 151 Metcam. Thank you. Thanks for keeping me right. The pacer colour scheme is awful. Yep, it's dreadful. Um, people are enjoying the, the yeah, convert, started on the, Gary Wilson started on the 158 as a trainee, uh, traction trainee, a, a driver trainee, sorry, and converted to the 150 on the 156, very interesting. Uh, his first driving turn, Gary's first driving turn, was on his own four-car uh, 150, ah, nice. Um, Chrissy Caulfield thinks that the 151 looks uh, modern even now, yeah, I agree, I think it looks quite cool. I'd love it if one of these turned up. Um, I mean, so long as the inside was a bit, you know, if it had USB ports and, you know, AC, it'd be great. Um, note that none of these trains, these are all regional trains, none of them have got AC. So by the time we're in, what is this, 84, 85 now for the 151, um, we've had the Mark 3s with air conditioning and Mark 2 Fs and some of the Mark 2s with air conditioning for a long time on intercity and regional routes. Uh, sorry, on intercity routes, but for regional, for the most part, for multiple units, people are stuck with... Uh, just opening a window and hoping that it's either hot or cold as they want it to be outside. Um, lots of people giving a lot of love to the 151. It's great, isn't it? Absolutely great. Simon Fisher thinks it's like a suburban APT. It, it just looks fab, doesn't it? Really great. Um, and then, uh, right, sorry, so it's a bit of a depressing switch. There's a reminder of what the what Brel came up with. Um, this is the 15. This is actually a 150. In fact, it's one of the 150, it's the second 150 prototype. If I'm going to fully nerd out, 
Uh, oh, did it have Jacob's boogies? No, it didn't. There's a, someone has just asked about Peter Morgan has just asked about Jacob's boogies. We'll 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 come back to that. It's an interesting question. Um, so the 150 prototypes, there were two, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, there was the, the, the one that was pretty much as the squadron fleet was, and then there was one that tried out a few of the different electromechanicals, and uh, in fact it was the engine, wasn't it? One of them was a um, the engine that they ended up having, which I presume was something fairly uninspiring, and the, was it a Leyland something or other, and the, uh, the second one tried a Rolls-Royce engine, which was a disaster, so they didn't go with it. Um, but they did repurpose it into the one, class 154, which was just a prototype. Now, what this thing did was trial out a load of new electromechanicals. Um, it trialed some other interior kit and stuff. And this started leading us down the path of a future, hmm, a future sprinter. Hmm. Um, right, so while this weird thing is up, uh, let's answer... I haven't got a photo credit on this, actually. I think this is actually a Dave Coxon picture, but it pinged up as, as, a, as, a, um, uh, as, as kind of a licenseless... You know, uh, Creative Commons thing, but actually, I think it might someone might be cheeky because I think that's Dave Coxon's, which is from um, Train Testing or yeah, TrainTesting.com. Uh, let's have a look. Gearbox is not as good as the 150, says Rob Milner on the 151. Uh, yep, that's I think that was the issue. Um, yes, Simon Fisher points out no injuries, uh, and it was the cement mixer that came off the bridge that that um, uh, that did get hurt a bit. Uh, Let's have a look. What are the benefits of... So, Jacob's bogies. There are two main types of bogies. There's the conventional bogie that sort of... You have two, and they sit under each end of the coach, and, and they, they rotate independently, and they allow uh, trains to have... First of all, they put an extra layer of suspension between your load, people or freight, and the railway, which is good for the people in the freight, and also for wear on the railway, because you reduce unsprung mass, and you don't bash the track as much, which is nice. Um... And also they let it go around nice tight curves, more than a kind of a fixed axle um, unit does. But uh, it does add weight because it means that every... T so at the end of the train it's fine, but in the intermediate kind of connections between coaches, you essentially have two bogies really close to each other, which is clearly not... which is not necessarily optimum. Um, the Jacobs bogey, basically the two... So if you've got two coaches kind of like this going past each other, the two in plan, you've got the bogey here and a bogey here. What the Jacobs bogey does is actually... Uh, is put the bogey between the two coaches, so they kind of so you have a, a bogey that sat underneath uh, the two coaches. So you've got a coach here and a coach here, um, and uh, and it, it is sat between the two of them. So both of them are sat on the one bogey, which reduces uh, the weight of the train overall. It's more complicated, but it's good for stability. So you'll not see any, or certainly not many. I'm trying to think of some. You'll not see many high-speed trains that don't use Jacobs bogies because they because they hold all the coaches together very firmly. They're much more stable. So these horrible, they're two nasty high-speed derailments we've seen recently um, in Italy and France, both really scary incidents. Um, both of them, the stability of the train set was as a result of the fact that it had these Jacobs bogies, these articulated bogies that connect the coaches. Um, yes, sorry, Bill. Yep, pleasure to have you. Cheerio. Um, Lee Render is, is agreeing with the Class 154 spec. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, people are pointing out Bond Bauer Born the Doctor, which is a very complicated name, Bond Bauer Born the Doctor. Um, I was going to say this looks like a Class 150. It is. As I say, it's just, it, had a, it got this designation so that it could run in service as part of a, t a testing um, as a prototype. Uh, uh, Lewis Bergen points out that Jacob's bogies are arguably safer in crashes because you don't get the jackknife. Yeah, that stability is really important. At high speed, 
Uh, jackknifing is where all the pain happens. Uh, Milan Z points out that all ICUs use convention, all ICEs use conventional bogies. Yes, they do, don't they? Hmm. Very good point. I stand corrected. Thanks, Milan Z. Milan Z. Edwin Barnes. Why did Eurostar move away from Jacob's bogies? Uh, see Milan Z's previous answer, which is that uh, the they they bought German uh, they bought Siemens trains and the Siemens trains rely on bogies. Um, Arguably, potentially a bit more risky, but they'll just have a hugely robust uh, buffer to con uh, kind of, uh, sorry, coupler to make sure that they're all nice and well connected. Oh, I've talked a lot, haven't I? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're all answering each other's questions, which is nice. Jonathan Williams uh, asks, would underfloor engines have been better or worse air quality than the previous blue train with the engine at the front? Um uh, it's a good question. Air quality, yeah. So you do get more knocks from an underfloor engine, I think. And if we had um, Professor Chris Baker on, he'd be able to talk about all about this sort of thing. In fact, I, hopefully I'll get Chris on for a rail matter. Um, oh, in-carriage air quality. Yeah, so in-carriage air quality, generally we talk about things like particulates and knocks, which come from strained combustion, which generally happens if you've got a very compressed engine package. So arguably, air quality is better with an engine at the ends of the coach, yeah. Um, Good point. Although I stand to be corrected on that. Um, yeah, right, okay, let's move on. So, oh God, so where, where are we? We're in 1985. So what have we got? We've got the 151. We're trialling the 154 in a test for something new coming along. And these nasty things start rolling out, which is the, the, the class 142 and then fairly soon after the 143 as well. Horrible pacers. They get rolled out and um, the fact that they did is depressing. Let's move on. We're jumping forwards to 1987. So 1987. So bearing in mind that these are still all the, all these trains that are actually in service at the moment, none of them have air conditioning, um, and the, the last sort of so so we're 1987 and we've got the one the hateful 155. Um, I'm not a huge fan of these. These were built by British Rail Engineering Limited and Leyland as a combination. Again, correct me on that. If I'm wrong, they were built as a, a kind of a combined joint effort between the two. Um, they're just not—they're just not good vehicles. They're not good trains. I'm glad everyone's making horrible like uh, noises when they see it. It's not nice, is it? Put too much milk in my coffee and it's gone cold. It's a disaster. Um, uh, single character. So no. So these are one five fives. The one five threes. Bond Bauer born the Doctor is exclaiming about single carriages. Yeah, these have got split into 153s, single carriage units, which is even more bonkers. So they're, they're uneven. There are lots of challenges with these. One of them is that they put the footstep in the wrong place. The second one is that they modelled them incorrectly so that our analysis, for me as a design engineer, the analysis is, is, was until very recently wrong. So we had to be, lots of platforms got built like an inch lower than they should have to get these stupid things through. They also sag. The body sags in the middle because it's not been, the build quality is awful. They're just, they're, they're not good trains. Not a fan of them at all. Um, really, really poor. Uh, the 155 bend in the middle. Mr. Origa 67. Yeah, exactly they do. They sag horribly in the middle. They're just not a good train. You can see it. If you see a 155, you, take, you can look down them. You can see the fact they sag. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Um, Something good came out of uh, 1987, though, which was the Class 156, the 156, which are, again, okay, they're, they're primitive, they're fairly primitive, you know, no, no air con, but they're reliable, good, 
trains that are still running, and a lot of people prefer these to the 158, controversially. Um, they're a good train. They're a good train for sort of rural services. These should be running... These are the trains that have... If, if any railway line has been saved, which it hasn't, which David and Kevin will get into, um, it's, it's sprinters. It's particularly the 156 that's, that's done the number on particularly things like the West Highland line, where they really don't make any money. But these are a lifeline. These trains are a, they're a good train. They're they're not perfect. You know they they're, they don't feel hugely modern. Uh, ideally, they'd be you know uh, you'd be talking about an electric perfect train. But actually, they're a good sturdy train. Just looking at the BR logo on that it does not look right, does it? If Double Arrow watches this at some point, the livery people on that really need to apologise. Anywho, um, yeah, not many 155s. So Lee, Lee Render points out that um, not many Class 155s remain. They've, they've all been split into 153s. Um, yeah. Yes, I think the refurb... And Lewis Bergen points out that the refurbish of the um, the 156s, uh, they've done quite a good job on that for ScotRail. So they're actually really smart. Yeah, I agree. I've been on one recently when Dean and I went for a cycle, and um, they're really smart. Simon Fisher points out the 153s. So the Class 153, that's the 155 that's been split in half. Yeah, they've got uneven cabs. So one cab is really nice, and the other cab, which is where the gangway used to be next to, is rubbish. Um... Uh, Sarah Noble joins us. Uh, you never see a 156 in Yorkshire. It's weird. Yeah, they'd, they'd be quite good units. And I mean, basically, we should have built more 156s and replaced all the pacers. That should have been how it works. Unfortunately, British Rail had to live by an, a made-up budget by a ridiculous treasury. So um, they didn't. But all the pacers should have been replaced by these, let's face it, because they're good trains and, as will be pointed out, cheaper to run than pacers as well. Uh, right. Uh, next slide. Oh, what's happening in 1989? These weird things, very strange things start appearing. Does anyone recognise where this is? Because this, this is Lit Church Lane in Darbados. And these funny little things start appearing. Look at these. Aren't they weird? Lovely little funny noses. See, now, yeah, I think they're brilliant. And I think they're kind of quite shifty looking. They're kind of modern, but also like hark back to something. There's something, I don't know, there's something about them. And the thing about them is probably just nostalgia and rose-tinted spectacles, because I grew up with these. These were the trains that ran through my local station when I grew up in Ruri. And the noise that they make, I was going to line up a sound clip, um, but I, I'm not going to, uh, because copyright law. But if you Google, I mean, most of you, I'm sure, know the sound they make. For me, that's like, that's the noise a train makes, vividly. Um, anyway, they started, they started appearing. Here's some nice pictures of them being put together. Oh, actually, let's go back to the last picture. Um, you can see some different liveries. So these ones all look like they're in the... Are these all West Yorkshire PT livery? Or just or are they just like generally P, like passenger transport executive liveries? Um, yeah, it is a West Yorkshire one. Yeah, people are laughing at Darbados. Yep, that's what everyone calls it. Anyway, these nice pictures, you can see the uh, regional railway livery um, there. These weirdly got, for no particular reason, these got like a custom livery. Um, uh I think, yeah, it's quite cool seeing them being put together. Having walked through these, I had the absolute privilege, and at some point I hope to take you through with a bit of a video as well. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, um, sorry, I'm getting distracted because I hear noises outside. The, uh, shifty. The, what was I saying? Oh, never mind. Oh, no, I've walked around in here, and it's really weird seeing 158s in here because I just saw loads and loads of um, EMUs, you know, loads of Aventras everywhere uh right and there it is 
Uh, thanks, Gordon Sterling, for the for the for letting me nick your picture. Uh, that is that's the original livery. Unknown for some reason they put they stuck Express on them and didn't put the BR logo uh, anywhere prominent. Uh, but yeah, that is that is it. Cast Vegas for Castleford says Sarah Noble. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I'm not a fan of the. Oh, anyway, right. People are talking about Class One Seventies, which is we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and there they are. Chrissy Caulfield reckons that these have the best. I, I presume she's talking about the Class One Five Eights. That they have the best seats on the network. Um, Simon Fisher has a soft spot for the One Five Nines that were derived. I'm not going to talk much about them. They were derived from these units essentially. Um, they're quite smart. Um, oh yeah, Lee Ren just talked about liveries getting nicked. Liveries is, is how they paint, you know, how, how the train looks. And um, yeah, different people. They, they got nicked by central trains and used on the for the class one five sixes. Ah, interesting. Good little factoid there. It's a bit of a shame that all this chat will hide. Anyway, um, maybe I'll leave it and you can just deal with a bit of slow start. We'll I'll work it out. Anyway, I quite like the spontaneity of the chat and the fact that it disappears into the ether. Um, I, yeah, these look a bit weird, and they didn't look like this most of the time. I saw some of the thing is, I, I look at this, and this is quite a vivid memory. I feel like I, they did, but actually, they replaced the livery fairly quickly with the more conventional regional railways one. When they so this is actually before sectorisation. When was this? This was eighty nine. So now you need to all correct me if I'm wrong on this one. But regional railways was provincial when the express was done, and then it became regional railways, and then they added the regional railways with a little sort of superscript. British Rail thing, which I quite like as well. Um, uh, right, let's have a look at the questions. Chrissy Caulfield is asking, what is with the fairing at the bottom of the 1589s? So just the, the, the type of class 158. And Simon Fisher answers very usefully that they're nominally for aerodynamics because they were designed for, se for 90 miles an hour rather than 75. Yeah, that's a very good point. So um, that's a, a good point to raise. These are the first regional railway units designed for 90 miles an hour. If I'm correct, everyone correct me when I'm wrong, if we're ignoring local hall. But in terms of multiple units, these are 90, which is nowadays not that much of a big deal on even our secondary routes. Lots of things do 90, you know, rural lines all over the place do 90. It wasn't the case before. Um, so, I, so I grew up with these, and I think this is, the, this is the livery I grew up with. I remember the stripes, I remember how they looked. Inside they were great, I think they had, you know, they had the, the kind of the, the, the knot work on the glass, which in lots of the, lots of them is still there. They had the trim on the, the, um, the luggage racks above your head. I just, very, for me, this is what train travel was. You used to travel up to the far north on these. Um, I remember going over all sorts of different places. And I, in fact, I took these to get to Carl of Lacalche. With the family, ah, oh, just, yeah, I'd, I'd, I, and loads of people moaned about them, and they had loads of issues, and they were delayed, hugely delayed on the delivery, um, and it, was the, it wasn't so much the construction of the train, but the deliver, the, the, it was the speed and delays to delivery that is what got them, these called garden shed engineering, or associated with the phrase garden shed engineering. It wasn't actually anything to do with the quality of the train, as far as I can tell, it was just that they were delayed in being delivered. Um, uh, Lee Render yet provin uh, points out and or uh, confirms that Provincial is who started the 158 build. Um, Peter Tipple asks if it's the 156 or the 158 that have been refurbished for Northern recently. They're pretty nice now. Actually, Peter, I think it's both. I think both. I've seen both looking quite smart. Um, oh, wait, am I speaking nonsense? Uh, there are 158s that have been refurbished and they're very smart. The 156 thing might be nonsense, as Sarah pointed out, because it's weird not to see 156s down in Yorkshire. Yes, 158s. I got there in the end. 
let's have a look. There are two different aircon uh, air dams on the 158, Rob Milner points out. Uh, metal ones that are almost snowplay-like, or GRP ones, so that's the plastic ones at the front. Uh, air dams. Oh, as in the, the thing at the front. Yeah, 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 got you. Uh, the ones in Scotland have snow plows as well, because, you know, snow uh, is a thing. Awesome Ad 64 says there's something special about a 158. I agree. I don't know what it is. I'm, you know, I'm quite young, so for me this is like kind of a hanger-on of British Rail days. But it, it was the excitement of train travel. These are the trains I'd see going through in Brewery every, you know, every day. That the sound seeing going through, the excitement of seeing one. I used to cycle. I used to get. I used to hop on these when I was very young, and get the well, fairly young, and take my bike on, on them. And used to hop off in Keith or Huntley, and then cycle back to Brewery. And in several parts of it, particularly around Inch, uh, maybe if I was cycling kind of along the railway line, I'd see one coming. And just the joy of, of, of hearing the noise and seeing them go through. So for me, I'm quite happy to admit that it's probably rose tinted spectacles because this is what I grew up with. But it's just like all the boomers love steam trains because they're what they grew up with. For me, this is just, it's what I grew up with and I love it. I just love it. It embodies rail travel. And they're quite, you know, they're quite grand compared to the 156s. They look uh, and and feel more modern they feel more like a modern train although they do have a bit of a 90s a late 80s 90s sniff about them but that's probably helps me love them even more anyway right next right are uh, the bad guys coming in now come 1990 so bearing in mind this is only a year after the 158 build in 1990 the 165 was put together um someone can tell me which of the british rail engineering limited uh centres built this one actually was it Derby as well or was this one I know some of these ended up getting made in York but I think that was later in any case um yeah the turbos came along boo and in a weird in a weird sort of twist of fate I think there's a connection again to the, the 210 bits got used in some of the um in some of the so the 210 parts of the, the class 210 you have to correct me on this tenuous link um Parts of the two, class 210 that we saw earlier, the prototype, were rehashed and reused to trial the networkers, the electric versions of these body shells, what became these body shells related to the 165 turbos. Um, so there is a connection there. Um, Peter H is happy about networkers. Way. Um, yeah, they're great trains, but, but these, for whatever reason, and I'm interested to know why, um, for whatever reason, these ended up becoming the diesel multiple unit of choice. So rather than pursuing a 158 design, um, which was, you know, I don't know what, I don't know where this 158 design came from. I don't know what its origins are other than the 154. It was a totally new build. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know how much it, it doesn't, it's nothing to do with the Mark IV coach, I don't think. It's nothing to do with the Mark III coach. I think it's an entirely new extruded body shell, um, unrelated to the 156 as well. So, Peter H points out that the diesel uh, ones aren't very good. Yeah, they weren't. They're rubbish compared to the 158. And yet, British Rail went with these. Went with these things. They look a bit weird. Um, uh, I don't think they're as fetching as the 158. And I didn't grow up with them, so I don't have the attachment to them. Uh, there, there's a bit of a novelty factor. There's a bit of a London factor for me because they've got the you know they've got the toothpaste livery. Um, and. So, so the, the, these, I mean, love them or hate them, clearly they were a success, clearly someone liked them. And is it to do with uh, is it to do with the person who was running the railway, the, the regional railway, um, 
when national when privatisation happened and who started getting involved elsewhere and favoured these? Is that why it is? Is it to do with management? Is it just that someone knew these, liked them, and thought they'd procure more? Because the next thing you know, the class one six six, which is pretty similar to that, then the one six eight, which is in the corner. So the one six eight appears in nineteen ninety eight. So actually, eight years later, you've got the one six eight. In again nineteen ninety eight, you get the one seventy. There's the one seventy, which ended up replacing my lovely one five eight through in brewery. Um, the one seven one, very similar, comes out in two thousand three, and then the last new diesel multiple unit that was built in Britain was the class one seven two, looking very much like an Electrostar. In twenty ten, so these things have outlived the one five eight. I mean, the one five eight is kind of out on its own. Um, and yeah, so so what? I, so the, the, having seen them, when I, I remember when they were repainted into this sort of, I used to think it was kind of an interesting livery, but actually it's just awful, isn't it? The Scotrail livery is dreadful. It's just a mess. Anyway, that's the National Express Scotrail livery. My lovely one five eight. Here it is. Thanks, you and Tate, for this photo. Um, a bit pixely. This was replaced by a one seventy, which I have to say, yeah, they look they're more modern. I do remember a bit, a bit of a modernness excitement about it. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I will go on to Twitter and check questions. There is a bit of a mod. I did get a bit of a modernness excitement about them, and there was a bit more bike space. But I have to say, they didn't capture the, my imagination in the same way. Perhaps I was just getting older. But they just didn't quite. They weren't quite. Yeah. Anyway, right. Let's have a catch up with questions because I'm miles behind. Miles and miles behind. Um, Let's have a look. Uh, Chrissy Caulfield, uh, she got uh, 158s on the Harrogate line at weekends sometimes. It always felt like a treat. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Mike Waldridge uh, agrees. Uh, he used to use the Derby to Crew line um, pretty frequently. And that, um, that 158 was uh, much nicer than the 153s. Uh, David Shearers joins us. Hi, David. Good, lovely to see you. Um, Good to see the 158 in original livery at Haymarket Depot. Yeah, indeed. No BR double arrow as Scotland did, it, did its own thing. Yeah, of course, Scott Rail, Scotland. So, right, David, you're going to correct me. The, the Scott Rail, the National Express Scott Rail thing, which you can see here. I smell mild burning. That's probably fine. Everything's probably not on fire. Uh, the, the little flash, oh, you can't really see it there either. There's a little flash which kind of looks like Scotland. It's like the three little colours of orange, purple and minty green. Um, British Rail created that, I think. So the Scotrail kind of region uh, did its own thing, right? Is that right, David? You have to correct me. Um, so yeah, they didn't have the, 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 the little uh, ticker. Uh, let's see. Ah, does that mean that they kept the intercity thing? Uh, sorry, the, uh, the express thing on it? Because the, the express livery is the one that it sticks more in my mind, to be honest. Uh, let's have a look. Refurb 158s around, push the seats together and so there's less legroom. Yeah, more seats, more money. Well, more people getting seats, to be fair, which in this railway, you've, you've kind of got to, you've got to feel for that. Um, uh, the 158s have actually really, they've aged well with the new refurb. Yeah, I agree. Um, GWR have snow plows on the 158. I wonder if that's cascade issues or maybe they just think that maybe they'll get snow over Dartmoor at some point. Um, Hopefully, if they approve the Northumberland line reopening, we get 158s at least, not the Pacers. Perhaps, uh, perhaps. Um, network, oh, people, are, all right, here we go. Networkers, uh, is this the year when buffers on the ends of train change to grabby cup things? 
Uh, possibly, yeah, but they're 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 anti-climb devices, so that if you get if you do get a train hitting each other, you don't end up uh, with telescoping. Buffers are useless for that. They hit each other and then they ride up nice and smoothly, and then you get telescoping where the two trains just smoosh into each other, which is horrible. So um, even on this 170, behind that plastic will be some metal hooks that if the two trains do bump into each other. Uh, they won't. The, the hooks will sort of lock into each other, and the whole thing will kind of bounce up. But you won't get uh, the one train overriding the other and telescoping into it. Uh, so it's an important safety function um, in new buffers. Uh, do do do. Lee Render hates the National Express Scott Rail livery just like I do. The two ten became the three one six for AC network and the four five seven for DC network of trials. Thanks, Rob Milner. That means I was right. Yes. Um, Sarah Noble goes. You. Um, yeah. No one likes that livery at all. Uh, one seventy is just normal. They're just in the same joy as a 158. I agree, awesome ad. 64, I absolutely agree. Uh, the 168, 170, 171 used all three undercarriage engines on acceleration, but went, but went two went on standby while idling at speed, while was a massive saving for Tox, especially Scott Rail. Um, I th that's Lewis Bergen point. I, I'm not following the grammar because I'm multitasking in my brain and if I was concentrating I'd be able to read what you meant there but I think you're saying that they were a saving the 170 was a saving compared to the 158 is that right Lewis cool I'm a bit behind all of you or ahead or behind anyway okay just going to quickly jump into Twitter in case anyone's tried to comment on there it does happen occasionally uh let's have a look uh do, 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 do. oh my mentions are on fire for some reason uh, oh dear uh, I don't know why. Let's not worry about it. Anyway, um, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. Right, so, ah, oh, there's a nice picture of it. So I, I was quite pleased in that I come, my parents moved down to Mid Wales um, just kind of a couple of years before I went to university. Thanks, Ivan Stewart, for this photo, by the way. And um, and they have 158s again. So I end up travelling on 158s pretty frequently as a student when I was, you know, up in Edinburgh travelling down. You know, I'd change at uh, Shrewsbury and hop on the 158. Uh, and arrive in uh, either Borth or Aberystwyth, and uh, yeah, back to oh, well, better not do that. Back to travelling them quite quite a lot again, uh, or was, uh, and they've they've had a refurbish again recently. Um, so yeah, they're and they're they're just good units. I think I've not seen any in in person with the new TFW livery. I think it's probably quite plain, but um, I hope they do something a bit more jazzy with it. They could get dragons on it, it's red and white. They could get some dragons on the go, you know, make it go crazy with it. But they've, they've, it's all a bit, a bit tame at the moment for my liking. Um, but I think it's a bit of an interim livery anyway. But there it is, sat on the lovely, spectacular and very much knackered uh, Barmouth Bridge uh, with uh, the back of Cader Idris in the background there. It's lovely, isn't it? Very nice indeed. Um, oh, uh, 54 minutes in, right. Well, that was that. Was that. Let's leave that picture up. Or shall I go full face? Tell me, tell me what I think. Oh, shall we? Shall we? Let's leave that up. It's nice. Um, well, that was yeah. That was that. Fifty-four minutes. Well, that was that was me chatting about one five eights. Um, thanks for coming on that journey with me. That was quite fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit more relaxed. Those two feeds earlier today were really good. It was really good. And Human Rail Library has been absolutely brilliant. Um, just go through the hashtag and see it. It's just a really nice really nice sort of this is the railway this is what we do everyone trying their hardest to do some live stuff so they can chat to people just inspirational really i'm really proud of everyone who was involved in that and that was great uh, i'm hopefully kind of my videos are on youtube there hopefully they're useful if, if you've got anyone asking railway questions particularly young people push them in that direction but yeah so that was really good um 
so let's have a look. Chris Caulfield thinks that 170 is nice and comfy. Um, yeah, they are comfy. Yeah, they're good trains. Like, they're fine. I think they're just the fact they're just fine is sort of, you know, the 158s probably occupy a bit of a similar space for me in the way that Pacers do for people who had them. And it's like, they're crap, but you sort of have this association with them. Um, let's have a look. 170s were unpopular at Salisbury, and they were replaced with more 158s. Thanks, Rob Milner. That's interesting. Yeah, I heard that Salisbury... Yeah, the Southwest much preferred the, the 158s, didn't they, just generally? Um, when 170s accelerate, the train uses all three engines, uh, then they cut down to one engine while idling at speed. This saves us a lot on fuel and money for tox. I presume that's versus the 158s, uh, Lewis Bergen, who's just kind of tidying up his grammar a bit there. Owen O'Neill asks a broader question. Um, uh, he says, on a much broader class question... Uh, well, we can talk about class politics if you like. You know, this, this I'm a socialist, so let's uh, you know, let's uh, let's let's do it. Oh no, no, he means train classes. Are we now getting too many different classes, uh, different systems to maintain driver training, route authorization, interoperability? Owen, yes, we are. I think we are. Um, personally, I think that there is a bit of it. It's good to have a vibrant train market, but then it perhaps needs to be a bit more rigor about... Well, to be fair, this is what the interoperability standards are for, that we hopefully remain a part of, is that they are pushing trains towards... So you can have variability, variability but they are, they are all intercompatible. The fact that we have multiple different buffer stop, like um, coupling types is doolally to me. I think they should all be standardised, and I'm sure lots of people go, ah, but... No, 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 not ah, but. Trains should all be able to connect to each other. Um, so that they can move around and and pull each other out of a mess and so on and so forth. Um, uh, awesome ad sixty four says one of the best things about the Cambrian coastline and indeed the whole Cambrian line um, is the fact that they use one five eight. Yeah, I agree. They're nice, aren't they? Seems you're a big one five eight fan. Uh, awesome ad sixty four. So uh, bonus points to you, uh, Simon S. Thanks to YouTube for not notifying me. Missed all the stream. It'll be don't worry, Simon S. It'll be going up on uh, YouTube afterwards, so you won't have had the the comments back and forth. But uh, this thing will be saving um, on the YouTube's fairly soon. Um, David Shepard has enjoyed the improvements in the trains, like dot matrix destination boards. Actually, they're a bit primitive. We should have proper like LCD screen things now. Dot matrix feels a bit 1977 for my liking. Uh, doors that don't hit you in the face. Uh, talking trains, trains that you walk through. Yeah, you know, new trains are good. Uh, progress is generally pretty a, pretty much a good thing. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I've said lots of things there. I'm going to close out because I should, and we've I've been going for, it's nearly 8 o'clock, and I've been going for 57 minutes. You've all been brilliant. I've had a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed that. It's a bit ad hoc, but this is kind of the point. Weekly, nice railway chat. Um, I always forget to do this, but I'm going to do it now. Um, if you enjoyed this, feel free to donate to me on, uh, give me a little coffee, chuck me a coffee on Kofi. Uh, Kofi and Anne will be happy. Um, I will be too. They allow me to do this stuff. They allow me to buy some of the this sort of thing and, and the general IT kit uh, to buy for me to buy that without like bankrupting myself, um, You know, given that... Uh, We've got current curtains to buy and various other things. Uh, yeah, uh, and oh, that might be that actually. Uh, oh no, that was just a black screen to finish on. Let's bring back my face, uh, which I can do here, face cam only. That's been brilliant. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for all your questions, for getting involved. Um, there'll be a vote on Twitter after this for what the next subject should be, but. I only make the vote based on some of the suggestions. So go on Twitter and comment somewhere uh, 
hashtag real natter just suggest what you want the next one to be on um i'll maybe think of a few ideas as well and then we'll do a bit of a vote and we can see what you like and we'll do the next one based on that um have a lovely evening uh cheerio cheerio